This is New Life Christian Fellowship's weekly message podcast. You can find us online at newlifepetaluma.org. And now, this week's message. Happy Sunday. It is a happy Sunday, isn't it? It's a great day to be alive. And it's an even greater day to be in church. Because we're going to look at a Bible teaching this morning that has the power to transform your life and in some ways the lives of every single person around you. Does that sound like fun? It's good stuff. It's great stuff. It's all taught by Jesus and it actually works in life. So I want to welcome you along on that journey. For those of you who are brand new, uh, a welcome to you. Whether you are here just checking out Christianity and God's stirring something in your life and trying to make something work and you're trying to figure out how that works. Whether you've been in a background as in church and you've been away from church for a long, long time and you're just now stepping back into it. We have people like that visiting every single Sunday. I want to welcome you. I want to tell you this is a safe place. And if the reason that you sort of walked away from the church was it didn't feel safe and it didn't feel healthy, I want to make you a promise this is a safe place and a healthy place for you to be this morning. Or if you're just passing through town and you're here on vacation and you're just going to church on Sunday morning because that's what you do, or you came to visit relatives and they drug you here, here really doesn't make any difference. I'm glad you're here, and I think you're going to learn something today that will be very helpful for you in life, and uh, hopefully you're going to connect with God. Because that's what church is all about. We had a prayer session this morning with people that work behind the scenes. And one of the things that we just admitted to God was, you know, if you don't do anything this morning, nothing gets done. Because church is all about what God does in our lives. So I want to welcome you along on that journey. If you're here for the first time this morning, we have a guest guest gift for you in the lobby. If you'll stop by the kiosk that goes right down the center of the lobby... Uh, We have a gift for you. It's got some stuff about the church. Um, Not that we would try to sell you on the church, but we're a church that loves to get people connected with God. And I assume that if you're a church, that's what you want. And so we want to help you do that. So you stop by that kiosk and pick up that gift. Are you ready to use your imagination this morning? All right. I want you to bring up on the screen of your mind the faces of two people. The first is the face of someone that I don't care where you are, you would just love to see them. Because every time they walk into your world, they make it a better place. You could be at the grocery store. If you ran into them, it would be great. You could be at a football game. That would be great. You could be at church. That would be great. No matter where you are, you just love to see them. This morning for me, was one of my, it's one of my Bible college professors. He's a guy who was a great storyteller. He loved to laugh, as most storytellers do. And uh, by the end of every story he told, everyone around him was laughing. That's just the way he rolled. But he was good for more than a story and a laugh. He was a genuinely humble guy. And he saw, for whatever reason, he saw potential in me as a young Bible college freshman, and he took me aside. And he said, Ron, I think God's going to do great things in you someday. And I want to do whatever I can to encourage you along on that journey. 
That's been 40 years ago. And every time I bring his face up on the screen of my mind, I get blessed because he helped shape my life. You have people like that in yours, right? Sure, even right now, you know who they are. But there was another Bible college professor in that same college who taught me just as many classes, and he played the exact opposite role in my life. He was narrow-minded, competitive, territorial, judgmental, and he hated it when anybody succeeded. You got anybody like that in your life? Yeah, we all got them, don't we? Of course we do. Now here is the big question, all right? Which of those people do you want to be? I know that sounds ridiculously simple. But did you know you could end up being the second person and not realize it? Yeah. But Christ gives us the power to be the first one. So I want to give us a moment to write out a personal declaration. Because until you get this settled and settled in your mind, and Kevin used a statement last week in, in the announcement time, and, and I believe it was during his prayer, and I just want to borrow that statement because it's a great statement, because this is a church that would do anything short of sinning to get you connected with God. Okay? Until you have this question so settled in your mind that you will do anything short of sinning to be that first person, chances are you will vacillate back and forth between the two. And on your good days, you slip into the good role. And on your not-so-good days, you slip into the other role. So how often do you want to be in the good role? What would be your goal? Every day, right? So I want you to write out this personal declaration because I want it to be true of you. And here it is up on the screen. I want to be the kind of person that brings out the best in every person in my world. Would that be a fair statement that that's what you want to be? I hope so. I, I don't want you to pick and choose. Even the person who's your enemy, would you like to bring out the best in them? I would. You know why I want to bring out the best in my enemies? Because they might become my friend. If I could bring out enough good in them. That's the deal. And that's what Jesus is going to talk to us about today in a passage that, if you've ever been to church much, I know you've heard this passage. And even if you haven't ever been to church before, you've heard of this concept because it's used even in the secular world here in our American culture. So, so that's the first question. Which person do I want to be? The second question is this. What makes the difference? I mean, what makes the difference? What makes one person have the ability to walk into my world and bring out the best in me? What makes the other person have the ability to walk in my world and instantaneously be a challenge to me? Well, it's wrapped up in two simple words called personal culture. Did you know you carry with you a personal culture? You might not be aware of it, but everybody else in your world knows what your personal culture is. Okay? Some of us, 
I, I like to think of it as my own little biosphere that I live in. I get to choose what happens in that biosphere. I get to choose the culture that's created in that biosphere. Now, if you look at almost every cartoon character, they all have a personal biosphere because they speak to different people in our lives. Let's take the story of Winnie the Pooh. What's the biosphere of Tigger? Life is fun, right? Oh boy, we're going to have fun. What's the personal biosphere of Eeyore? Oh boy. You got it? Wouldn't it be amazing if God for one day replaced our face with the cartoon character that has the biosphere we normally have? And you looked in the mirror and I looked in the mirror. Some of us would be shocked. Okay? Personal culture. Last week I taught you, I taught you a principle that the kingdom of Christ is both personal and portable. That's what I want to talk to you about today. Because you're taking it with you wherever you go. And, and, and it is your personal culture. And the whole series that we're talking about is counterculture. Anybody can take on the personal culture of everyone around them and just sort of float downstream with everybody else. But Christ empowers us to take on a personal culture that's different from all the culture around us that's better than all the culture around us that enables us to swim upstream. And if enough of us begin swimming upstream, we change the culture of our community. But it all starts with the personal culture that you and I choose to have. Jesus talked about that in our Bible teaching this morning. Let's take a look at it. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? What do you think the answer to that is? No, that's a rhetorical question. If it's lost its flavor, it's done. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, in the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. It's pretty easy to see in that passage that Jesus is talking about your own personal culture. And in the passage, he uses two um, very descriptive word pictures that everyone in the ancient world would have related to very easily. And the first is salt. Now, why would Jesus say, you are the salt of the earth? Salt was a very common thing. Everybody had it in their house. It wasn't considered highly valuable. It wasn't put on the on a par with gold or silver or any of those things. It was a very common thing. But Jesus said, you are the salt of the earth. That's because the world uh, across the known world, salt was known, even as it is today, as a flavor enhancer. In other words, you might say that salt takes normal food and brings it to life. There's a reason why the crackers you put in your soup are called saltines. 
Have you ever tasted the unsalted saltine? Yeah. You want potato chips with no salt? How about popcorn with no salt? No. You know, there's something about salt. When you bring the personal culture of salt and you bring it next to the personal culture of ordinary food, suddenly the flavor in ordinary food springs to life. It's that way. Now look, Jesus looked the people of his day in the eye and said, you are the people who bring to life ordinary people. That's huge. Do you realize that Christ empowers us to do that? Now he used this the word light. He, right after he said, you are the salt, he said, you are the light. Now in the ancient world, light was a very precious commodity because when the sun went down, the only option you had left was firelight. And that was pretty dim, and it had other problems associated with it, like smoke and, and shadows and so forth. And so what happened was, when the sun went down, the activity ceased. And so in the ancient world, darkness became synonymous with inactivity or death. But when the sun came back up again, activity resumed and light became synonymous with life. And Jesus looked at the people of his day and said, You are the light of the world. Same word picture, really, in our house. We have a picture in the living room of the Teton range of mountains just outside of Jackson Hole, Wyoming. They are spectacular and breathtaking. Right above that picture, we have a light that shines down on the picture and it's dimmable. And when you have the, the pictures on the wall and you can sort of see the mountains and so forth when the light's off. But I can tell you when the light's off, it looks like a pretty much an ordinary average everyday picture. But as you begin to bring the light up, silhouettes give way to vibrant color. Clouds that were just blobs, colorless blobs in the sky become billows of puffy cotton. And when the light is fully on, the mountains emanate regal majesty. Even the old barn in the foreground springs to life. You know why? Because when you bring the personal culture of light next to the personal culture of that picture, it brings the picture to life. Now Jesus said, you, those of you who are part of my kingdom, those of you who have chosen to follow me, I endow you with the power to be salt and light on the earth. I give you, here's our very first takeaway, I give you the power to bring out the best in everyone. Here's how it works. Kingdom life in me. When I live as a follower of Christ, when I take on the lifestyle of Jesus, when my speech begins to be the speech of Christ, when my attitude is the attitude of Christ, when my response to other people is the response of Christ, when the kingdom of Christ lives in me, kingdom life in me brings out the best 
in other people. Now, what was that personal declaration that you wrote? I want to be the kind of person that what? Brings out the best in every person in my world. What you wrote down was, I want the kingdom of Christ to live in me because that's how that happens. Now, right away, I can hear some of us say, Ooh, time out, pastor. I know tons of people who go to church and they proudly claim to be Christians, but to be honest, they don't bring out the best in me. We all got those people in our world too. Jesus talks about that. Let's go back and look at that passage of Scripture one more time. Here's what Jesus said. You are the salt of the earth. What's the next word? But... And then he describes a condition where the salt is no longer salt. But what good is salt if it has lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? And then he says what it's worth. It will be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. And then he describes the light. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hilltop cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and does what? Puts it under a basket. Because when you put a light under a basket... The light is worthless unless you're in the basket. (laughs) Got it? Yeah. You know what I wrote in my notes? Unfortunately, kingdom life is lost and wasted on some people. Because here's the truth. You can wear the label Christian. You can go to church. You can even put a New Life sticker in the back of your window that says, New Life rocks my world. But I distinctly remember Kevin saying last week, if you're going to drive bad, take it out. (laughs) Because if you're not going to be salt and light, don't connect yourself with Jesus or even this church. Because we've been called to be salt and and light. But it is quite possible for us to be in church and to wear the label Christian and to say, I made a decision one day. I know the pastor said, say this prayer. I said this prayer. I know the pastor said, come and be baptized. I went and got baptized. That makes me a Christian. Well, you could debate that with Jesus, but it does not make you Christ-like. And the goal of being a Christian is to be transformed to be Christ-like. And the wonderful challenge that we have, and I'm not here to make you feel guilty, I'm here to challenge you to say, I can, with the power of Christ, rise to a point in my life that no matter who my personal culture comes in contact with, I bless them. Because that's what Christ has called us to. And I know that if you've read the story of Christ and you've read through the books in the Bible of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and you've read how Jesus interacted with people, he had this amazing ability to look people in the eye and to love on them and then to talk to them about their lifestyle which needed to be changed and to help them see how they could change their lifestyle, and to love on them some more. And even though he was teaching them they had to change, they still felt blessed by him. 
Every time I read the story of Christ, I say, Jesus, make me more like you. So no matter who it is that walks into my world or whose world I walk into, that I can speak the truth to them in love and speak it to them so personably and with so much care and deep compassion for them that I can tell them the straight-up truth. And when they leave my presence, they genuinely feel blessed. When that happens, I know that I'm being salt and light. And kingdom life in me is happening. Our second big takeaway is this. We can't just be salt and light. We have to flavor like salt. And we have to shine like light. Well, that leaves an obvious question. How do I flavor like salt? And how do I shine like light? And fortunately for us, Jesus says, here's the answer. You want to know what the answer is? It's real simple. It's one thing, and it makes all the difference in the world. Let's go back and look at our passage, because in the passage, Jesus tells us. He says, now you are the salt of the earth. What good is is the salt if it's lost its flavor? Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out, trampled underfoot as worthless. And you are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that can't be hidden. No one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket Instead, a lamp is placed on a lampstand where it gives light to everyone in the house. Now, here's the secret. In the same way, that means that what Jesus is about to say to us is directly tied to what he just said. In the same way, let your good deeds shine. Would you underline that phrase? That's the secret. Let your good deeds shine for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. Let's get our third big takeaway. Here it is. Good deeds make my salt salty and my light shine. That's how it works. Now, by the way, if you do your good deeds so everybody will think you're a do-gooder, they will hate you. We all know those people, right? But if you do your good deeds... Because you genuinely love and care for that person. It's amazing what begins to happen. That's when life gets transformational. I said a while ago about Jesus. Did you know that the Jewish historian wrote about Jesus? And he described Jesus in secular history. And I want to tell you what he said. He described Jesus as this young prophet who who went around the nation of Israel. Are you ready for his big description? Here it is. Doing good. That was his summary of Jesus' life. If you want to change the culture in your marriage... Do good things for your spouse. Not one and then wait for them to reciprocate. Just do good. 
Find something you can do good for them and do it. Find something else you can do good for them and do it. doesn't have to be big. It could be making the bed. It could be doing the dishes. It could be buying some flowers. It could be writing a card. It could be making a telephone call in the middle of the day. Just do good. And mean it from your heart. You want to change your work culture? Those terrible people at work that sit around and gossip and all that stuff all day long around the water cooler. Just do good. Find something good to do for each of the people that you work close to and do it consistently and persistently and over a long period of time and you'll begin to see the culture at your workplace change. Because you're being salt and light in a very unsalty and dark place. Did you know that's what Jesus did? He just went around doing good. When he walked into a situation and here was a group of people that was an angry mob and here was a woman cowered in the corner and they were getting ready to stone her because she had been caught in adultery. When the situation called for it, Jesus stood between those two parties, not in anger, not in judgment, but he stood between those two with a simple statement. Let him who is without sin cast the first stone. He just did something good. When the situation called for him to sit and eat with the worst of sinners in town, people that were called prostitutes because they were, and the worst of sinners, Jesus went over to Subway, got a sandwich, pulled up his Subway sandwich at the table with them, and sat down and began to eat with them because nobody else would. He just did good. He spoke the truth into their lives. When the situation called for a conversation with a social outcast of a woman near a well in the the state of Samaria, Jesus bypassed his lunch so he could have that conversation with her. He just did good. Over and over and over and over. And the people in his world began to change one person at a time. He was just being salt. He was just being light. And that's the challenge he gives us. Now I want you to see there's a bonus truth I want to give us. Because this is where the truth just just blows up and becomes so powerful. Here's the bonus truth. When the salt is right, it leaves others wanting more. You know, Frito-Lay makes potato chips... And when I was a kid, they used to have a commercial. And and I know that if you're over 35, you've heard this commercial. And it was, I bet you can't eat what? (laughs) Wouldn't it be great if that's the way Christians were? That our lives were salty just to the perfect point that people would say, man, I can't just handle one Christian in my world. I need more. In fact, I want a whole gang of them in my life because when the salt is just right it leaves people wanting more
this morning. There are three things that we, three ways we can respond to this. And the first is, you can't be salt and light till you get in the kingdom of Christ. You can't ask Christ to come into your life and do amazing things. By the way, you're going to want to come back next Sunday because next Sunday I'm going to teach you the principle that underlies these principles. And I'm going to show you how this works in a miraculous way through the power of God in our lives. But it begins with making the decision to say, I can't be salt and light on my own. It's Christ who makes me salt and light. And it's getting on board with Him and becoming part of His kingdom. So that's the first way. And if you're ready to make that choice today, and I hope you are, if you've never made that decision, it's life-changing, and we're going to show you how that life-changing decision works next week. But for this week, don't put off the decision until next week. Make it this week. Say, Christ, I want to be your follower. I, I want to become a Christian. I want in on this kingdom life because I want my life to bless everybody that I come in contact with. I want my personal culture to be the personal culture of Jesus Christ. The second way is this. I will intentionally do three good things in an area of my life where salt and light are lacking. We all have areas that we haven't been very salty in, correct? And that we've neglected doing what we should do. Okay, let's take a personal inventory this week and say, okay, I can begin to rectify that by not just doing one thing or two, but to do three. And hopefully that will get me launched into being salt and light in that area. It could be your marriage. It could be at your workplace. It could be on the road. Okay? where you don't have to take that sticker out. You could put it up there and drive like salt and light and bless others. Three good things. And then thirdly, I'm going to take inventory in my life and I recognize there are people who have been salt and light to me. And I'm going to write a personal thank you note to them because it will help raise the salt and light value in my life as well to recognize how important those people have been. Whatever your decision... However God would have you respond, listen to what he says to you in your heart and respond as he guides you. And I'm going to pray. Father, I just so pray for all of us here this morning that we could step into that role that you have so enabled us to step into and made available to all of us through your son Jesus, that we could step into that role of being salt and light and that wherever we go, we would take that personal culture of Christ and not, not that it would judge people or condemn them, not that we would become the new sheriff in town that lays down the, quote, Christian law, but we could just be Christians and we could bring out the best that when people step into our world or we step into theirs, that they come alive because they've come next to the culture of Christ. And Lord, for those of us who are making the decision to become Christians today, thank you, thank you for making that available to all of us and particularly to them today. Would you meet them in a very special way this week so that they could walk with you in this life and in eternity. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. You can find more information about New Life, including contact information, at newlifepetaluma.org. Thanks for listening.